The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. Plenty coming up on the show. We have reaction to Cork City's loss last night in the Cup away to Derry City. Barry Myers gives his thought ahead of Sarsfields versus St. Finbar's tomorrow in a huge day in the Premier Senior Hurling Championship. Jer McCarthy was in Coachford for the Cork Mogi Championship game between Cloud Dove and Newsestown. We have reaction to that. We round up all the day's Premier League games at the moment. It's Arsenal nil, Fulham nil at the Emirates 28 minutes. It's gone. And to round out the show, we have part one of our chat with Colm Cronin, who joins us to preview the upcoming NFL season. That's all between now and seven. You're listening to The Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. And uh, it's time to get through a lot of a lot of sport news today. And let's start off with the big news for Cork sports fans. And I cannot wait for this myself. Porky Cueve is set to host Munster's Clash with South Africa in November. The GA Central Council gave the green light, fair play to them, uh, for the game to be played at the Cork venue. Uh, Munster faced the world champions. Uh, it's a South Africa Select 15, obviously. Uh, South Africa playing Ireland the weekend before in the Aviva. So a South Africa Select 15, but I'm sure we'll still see plenty of... Of, uh, of famous faces in Parky Cueve on Thursday, November 10th. Uh, so sure to be a great occasion there. Elsewhere in the world of rugby, the Irish women's team lost their second test in Japan today. The home side won on a scoreline of 29-10. The series is now tied at one apiece. And tomorrow on the Big Red Bench, we bring you uh, John McCarthy's chat with Munster and Irish uh, rugby international Maeve O'Gullery, of course. Maeve missed out on the trip, unfortunately, due to injury. So you can hear that chat tomorrow. Um, I suppose just something to make you aware of there Skibbereen Rowing Club are holding a golf classic at Skibbereen Golf Club on September 3rd um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of stars down there as well on that day with all the success lately check out www.skibgolf.com or Skibbereen Rowing Club's social media to get involved if you want to I would encourage you to do so It'd be a good day out uh, right uh, and in golf uh, at the moment uh later on this evening Rory McIlroy he's nine shots off the lead heading into the third round at the Tour Championship uh, the four-time major winner tees off from 10 under par at 7.30 Irish time in Atlanta uh, world's number one Scotty Scheffler leads a 19 under he had a massive lead after Friday after Thursday should I say and now it's only uh, two shot leads Xander Shoffley is 17 under par uh, so that should make for a good Saturday and Sunday uh, in Eastlake Manchester United ended a run of seven straight Premier League away defeats with a 1-0 win at Southampton earlier. Captain Bruno Fernandes' second-half strike gave them a first uh, a first victory on the road since February. I actually couldn't believe when I was reading that. Yeah, first first win away since February after setting a record for away wins under, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, not too long ago, or a season ago, I suppose. Uh, manager Eric Ten Hag says it was an improved team display. Good organization, fight for each other, following the rules, and I think we are also some really good moments from playing football. And we scored in the best part of Man United after halftime. I think that 10 15 minutes was really good. We played a really good uh, possession game, and we scored a wonderful goal. 
Yeah, as I said at the moment, it's Arsenal nil, Fulham nil at the Emirates. 32 minutes gone there. And uh, loads and loads and loads of goals in the 3 pm kickoffs. I really was struggling to do the old uh, the bulletins there uh, earlier today. There was goals flashing in the minute I put the mic up. Um, Manchester City uh, have beaten Crystal Palace 4 2. Uh, they came back from 2 0 down. Palace scored, I think, after about three or four minutes. It was one of the first goals that flashed up along with Liverpool, which we'll get to. Um, Darren Stanage was at the Etihad. Manchester City 4, Crystal Palace 2, a real game of two halves at the Etihad. Erling Haaland, the hat-trick hero, as the champions find themselves two down at the break, but turn the game on his head to clinch victory. A stone's own goal and a bullet header from Anderson have given Palace a well-deserved 2-0 half-time lead. The hosts just weren't at the races, but scored quickly through Silva to get one back before Haaland headed on the equaliser with half an hour to play. Eight minutes later, he was on the end of a scuffed stone's shot to make it 3-2, and the hat-trick came on 81 minutes, holding off his defender as he collected a three ball to buy a home great comeback for the champions City 4 Palace 2 Liverpool beat Bournemouth 9-0 in their game Uh, I mean where do you start with it Uh, I think from literally minute one Liverpool just dominated Bournemouth all over probably a reaction I suppose uh, to to Monday's defeat against United Uh, it's not a bad way to react is it Uh, so that matches I think it's the fourth time there's been a 9-0 in the Premier League Um, I know Leicester and Man United both beat Southampton 9-0 and Southampton were quick on Twitter to fire a few tweets to the Bournemouth uh, Twitter page asking them if they wanted to chat Uh, but uh, I think as well United have a 9-0 from the 90s I think it's the time that uh, Solskjaer came off the bench and scored a hat-trick wasn't it or Reiki goals in it but yeah Shane Pennington was at Anfield to watch Liverpool nearly break the record and get into double figures. Finished Liverpool 9, Bournemouth 0 and after their defeat to their fiercest rivals last Monday Manchester United what a response by Jurgen Klopp's side here this afternoon. They were in front on three minutes when Luis Diaz headed them in front and then three minutes later Harvey Elliott made it two from 20 yards out. It was three on 28 minutes when Alexander Arnold smashed one over from 20 yards and it was 4-0 just after the half hour mark when Firmino volleyed home from six yards out. Just before half time it was five Van Dyke headed home in Elliott corner and then it carried on in the second half one minute in when Chris Meppen put the ball into his own net to make it six it was seven just after the hour mark Robertson's cross pushed out by Travers into Firmino's path for him to tap home then Fabio Carvalho got his first Liverpool goal nine minutes before the time to volley home into the right hand bottom corner and the misery was complete when Luis Diaz got his second of the game five minutes from time heading home a Simakas corner Liverpool nine yeah, you wouldn't like to be a Bournemouth player. And Mark Travers, poor Mark Travers in goal for for Bournemouth. Um, he was after. I mean, he had a great season in the Championship and had a decent season, a decent start to this season as well. Um, by all means, I think the first six uh, I was seeing on Twitter, the first six pretty much he probably got away with uh, without getting the blame. But I think the seventh was his fault. Um, but sure, if you're conceding that many shots and that many chances, I mean, you're bound to slip up at some stage. Um, Chelsea beat Leicester City two one. Down to 10 men, down 1-0. They came back and they won the game 2-1. Ian Beach was at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2, Leicester 1. It's three straight defeats in the Premier League for Brendan Rodgers. Is Leicester. They play with an extra man for an hour in this game. Conor Gallagher sent off for Leicester for two yellow cards, uh, for Chelsea rather, for two yellow cards inside 30 minutes. At the start of the second half, Raheem Sterling gave the 10 men the lead with a deflected shot that went into the top corner. Sterling scored the second when the ball was uh, still across goal to him. 
know, and he put it into an empty net. Harvey Barnes pulled one back, and in the closing stages, Jamie Vardy went round the goalkeeper and shot into the side netting, and Iosi Perez for Leicester hit the crossbar. He finished Chelsea 2, Leicester 1. Just going to interrupt the Premier League uh, full-time reports there to bring you some breaking news coming out of Meath. Eamon Murray has stepped down as manager of the Meath Ladies Senior Football Team. He led the Royals to a second successive All-Ireland Senior Championship title earlier this month when they beat Kerry in the decider. Uh, Meath also landed the Intermediate Championship uh, and National League titles at Division 1, 2 and 3 during his tenure uh, what an innings uh, he gave to me the ladies football there incredible stuff to bring them out of the intermediate championship and to win back to back senior titles and I know they had a fantastic group of players but it, it takes someone to, to bring it all together um, so he certainly owes them nothing it be interesting to see now uh, what his next move is and, and, and what he does after this because uh, he, start, he certainly has a, a high stock uh, in, in Gaelic games and uh, in, the, in the GA circle so uh, definitely going to be interesting to see what Eamon Murray does after stepping down as manager of the Meath Ladies Footballers. Now back to the Premier League full-time reports. It finished one all between Brentford and Everton. Nigel Bidmead was there. Brentford won, Everton won. Brentford left it late, but on the balance of play and chances, they deserved a point. With five minutes to play, substitute Vitaliano finished at the far post from a flicked-on corner. In demand forward, Anthony Gordon had put Everton ahead on 24. He raced on to Connor Cody's lofted through ball and scored with his left foot. Before then, Brentford had hit the post and went on to hit it twice more as Everton rode their luck. This was a gritty performance from Frank Lampard's side, but they're still without a victory. Brentford won, Everton won. Brighton have kind of burst the bubble that uh, Leeds had created in the, in the in their opening few Premier League games. Uh, 1-0 it ended for Graham Potter's men. Richard Newman was at the Amex. Full-time, Brighton and Haralbion won. Leeds United nil. Brighton maintained their unbeaten start to the season and hand Leeds their first defeat. Few will argue with the result. Albion were dominant throughout and should have scored more than their single goal. Leeds failing to match the performance of last week's win over Chelsea. Pascal Gross got what turned out to be the winner, finishing a flowing move in the 66th minute after Stoddy March, Adam Webster and Leandro Trossard had all gone close. Leeds could have gone ahead before that goal though through sub Luis Sinistera in a rare opportunity, but they went agonising close to equalising 10 minutes from full time with Diego Lorente headed just wide. 10 points from four games for Brighton though, they will end another match week in the top four. It's finished Brighton 1, Leeds 0. Yeah, and uh, still nil all at the Emirates after 39 minutes of play between Arsenal and Fulham. Now, Cork City out of the cup, unfortunately, defeated away to Derry City in the second round 2-0. I spoke to Rory uh, to get his thoughts on uh, last night's match. All right, Rory is on the line now um, as Cork City have exited the FAI Cup. Um, Derry City 2, Cork City nil at the Brandywell. Um, look, I... Uh, Cork City played the last 40 down to 10 men after Rory Keating was sent off Rory your thoughts on the game uh, well that was an incredibly harsh sending off uh, first off he was sent off after 50 minutes he kind of a bit of a tangling with Mark Connolly um, they, Mark Connolly fell to the floor and Rory Keating was just doing his best to get out of the way to avoid stamping on the referee seemed to have deemed it a stamp and uh, Gavin Colfer was a referee last night and he just said yeah red card and I, I think 
he was shocked Mark Connolly in fairness to him afterwards tweeted to say that he didn't think it was a red card and that ruined the game as a contest there he said he were a goal up at that point and uh, were very comfortable in that lead um, so uh, and after the red card there was going to be a mountains climb for Cork City and so approved um, just a bit of a golfing class on the night although if you're Cork City will take some um comfort I suppose in the fact that like a uh, much changed side played well in the brandy well on a plastic pitch um, it's a sign of things to come in the Premier Division next year so you're obviously going to have to strengthen have to be able to compete with the likes of uh, Derry City uh, but it was in the end dead and comfortable I think the 2-0 the scoreline um, doesn't do Derry City justice to be honest Colin Healy made six changes as you said um, Gordon Walker came back after he, uh, a leg break uh, his first uh, game mm. of the season and uh, Jimmy Corcoran was in goals as well um, so I suppose it is good like you said look result aside a, a good run out um, and to get some players on the pitch that haven't seen uh, as much game time in the league as others yeah six uh, changes in all from uh, the side uh, the big co-ramblers 2-1 last week so it was obviously going to be um I suppose uh, 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 it was obviously a much changed team so they were obviously going to take uh, a bit of a while to gel but some good performances last night and um, Aaron Bolger in particular was singled out for praise on commentary by the Derry City FBI uh, uh, LOI TV commentators and again excellent player um, played very very well and he is for all intents and purposes uh, a Premier Division player just uh, playing with Cork City he'll be a Premier Division player next season with Cork City but um, look again you make that much changes it's going to unsettle the team uh, Jimmy Corcoran came in on goal and uh, it was um, his uh, foul on Ryan Graydon that um, resulted in a penalty uh, for the opening goal Will Patching came in and buried the penalty right into the top corner and after that Derry kind of controlled possession and pinged the ball around uh, very very nicely indeed they played some nice one touch stuff moved the ball around very very quickly they're obviously well used to playing on that um, that Astro pitch up in the Ryan McBride, McBride Brandywell Stadium and uh, just every city I think were in control uh, completely after that and um, like Michael Duffy hit the posts and um, and then uh, you come up for the second half you think right you're going to give this a go and then that red card happens and that kind of throws everything out the window yeah. Um, very, very harsh again on Rory Keating, it has to be said. But then a number of changes like Carbo comes on, Duna comes on, um uh, Crowley comes on uh, after an hour. Um, you know, so like he made the changes that changed up the team as well, in fairness. Um did well, I suppose to keep it to two nil. I know um that uh that it could have been a lot more considering they were down to 10 men for 40 minutes but I suppose in last night's game was kind of just um, a glimpse into to what life would be like in the Premier Division for Cork City the next season provided they could promote it of course uh, although that is looking like uh, a probability more than a possibility at this point considering their, their league status um, City have a very young squad which we saw last night they're going to have to improve uh, and strengthen for the Premier Division campaign next year I've no doubt Colin Healy's already identified players that he wants to bring in for next year they're going to have to add uh, a bit of experience and a bit of bite to that Cork City team but they acquitted themselves fairly well last night and uh, yeah did uh, well I suppose to keep it down to 2-0 once uh, Keating got sent off but uh, yeah certainly positives to take but look it's on to Longford now on Friday and getting over the line and winning that league title winning that first division title that'll see City right back where they belong in the Premier Division yeah, you're talking about, you know, if they do go on and, and do that uh, next year in the Premier Division, one man that 
might not be there is uh, the goalkeeper David Harrington who didn't play last night of course as we said I'm reading Graham Cummins here in the Echo that he's attracting interest uh, well deserved interest from English clubs several English clubs Everton named as one of them Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's no surprise really. He's been in superb form um, since he came in as Mark McNulty's uh, replacement this year. Um, he has been fantastic. He's kept, what is it, 14 clean sheets in the league. Um, started every game this season. He's been electric and he's he's developed as a goalkeeper. He's gotten stronger, physically stronger. You can see that compared to the start of the season. He looks a lot bigger and a lot, uh, not bulkier, but look, he looks a lot stronger and he's getting a lot more confident coming out for balls he's uh, um, very solid he's a good shot stopper excellent uh, with his left foot and the distribution side of things and he communicates well um, uh, with his back four he's able to, to participate in moving the ball along um, and uh, and passing the ball around uh, from the back so it's no surprise Aiden, really that like he, he is attracting uh, attention from English clubs because they'll be able to get him uh, relatively cheaply compared to um, what they would be able to get for a similar player uh, in England I guess um, so look the transfer window shuts for English clubs on Thursday um, at 11 o'clock so any bit will have to be in by then it'll be interesting to see if he has played his final game for Cork City or if whoever buys him will just loan him back to Cork City for the rest of the season I'd imagine yeah. that that would be a stipulation that Cork City would be insisting upon should he uh, be making a move that he would be loaned back for the rest of the season because you don't want to lose your, your number one for the run-in especially when promotion is uh, so close so yeah look um, I think he's going to have an excellent career uh, across Channel Ireland under 21 uh, international call to the squad recently as well the future is very very bright for him and if he does go we wish him all the best I think he's going to be an excellent excellent goalkeeper and young as well 22 years of age and so a long long career ahead of him Absolutely. Well, as you said there, Longford next for Cork City on Friday as they continue their uh, title charge. Um, Rory, thanks a million. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, Rory, they're reacting to Cork City's defeat away to Derry uh, in the Cup 2-0 last night. Now let's uh, jump into even more um, managerial news in the in, in GA. Uh, Jack Cooney stepped down as Westmeath Senior Football Manager. The Telchin Cup winning boss and former Donegal coach has been appointed to a national player development position uh, within the GA at Crow Park. Uh, Cooney says he had an extremely enjoyable spell in the Intercounty Management uh, with uh, Westmeath. Um, and now they uh, they start the process now to find his replacement. Um, wonder if they'll give him and Murray a call. Incidentally, <laughs> um, uh, that'll certainly be uh, an interesting uh, interesting move. And uh, if he's on the market, to be honest with you, if I was Westmeath, you'd go there all day long and offer him the job. Uh, now, massive weekend of hurling. Uh, here in Cork um, the final round of group games in all of the championships um, this evening sees the final round of games in the Co-op Superstore Senior A Hurling Championship Newsestown face Cloyne Mallow play for Moy Father O'Neill's come up against Killab Larney take on Corsi Rovers it's Carrick Tool versus Ballyhay and Bride Rovers go up against Ballymartle they all throw in at 7pm tomorrow then sees the conclusion of the group stages of the uh, Premier Senior Hurling Championship uh, lots to play for plenty of knockout games uh, in store no side yet are fully guaranteed to advance to the knockout stages which is I think testament to the new format and uh, incredible excitement going into tomorrow 
all the games kick off or all the games throw in should I say at 4 o'clock tomorrow all at the same time just like in the Senior A Championship this evening where they all throw in at 7 so let's go through it and try well I'll try and make this as understandable as I can and uh, thanks to Dennis Hurley's article in the Echo as well which is the only reason I could understand any of it um, Douglas have a foot in the latter stages they have two wins uh, they have a scoring difference of 21 they take on Newton Shandrum and Morn Abbey uh, the North Cork men are level on two points with Middleton but they're 12 worse off in scoring difference um, so obviously Douglas win they're through uh, Newton Shandrum have to get a win uh, Ken Turk are still mathematically in with a chance but they would need a massive win over Middleton in Formoy coupled with a Douglas victory against Newtown uh, so obviously in as well uh, just Middleton need to win as well to, to get through obviously uh, the reigning champions of course uh, a bit of pressure on them especially after that that first weekend loss to Douglas in Group E Aaron's own are top after two wins but still not fully certain of progressing which is incredible uh, they must avoid defeat against Bishopstown and they're safe so a draw will do them uh, while a win for the town would put them through as group winners if Napiershig were to win the Northside Derby against Glen Rovers so it's either Bishopstown qualify as the top spot uh, as as the number one team or they don't qualify at all uh, which is incredible uh, the Glen go in as favourites of course to that game against Napiershig they need to win um, and win well just to cover off any danger but as far as I know if they win they're okay um, Group C then the group of death uh, unfortunately for Charleville their six point loss to Sarsfields leaves them bottom of the table uh, qualification is not beyond them um, although it would take quite a lot uh, they need to beat Black Rock and Mallow uh, and they need Sars to beat the Bars um, and also they need to turn a seven point uh, deficit around in terms of scoring uh, and then for Black Rock any victory will do them and and if they do win Louis Mulqueen's team will go through they'll go into that game uh, as favourites um, against Charleville and then at Porky Rin the terms are fairly clear in that the winners between St Finbar's and Sars will progress to the quarterfinals of the competition a draw is enough for St Finbar's because they drew their first game they're on three points uh, whereas Sarsfields are on two here is Sarsfield's boss, Barry Meyer. I really hope you could understand all of that. To be honest with you, I'm not totally sure of it myself. But uh, yeah, as you can tell, it's all up for grabs. Here's Sarsfield's boss, Barry Meyer, on tomorrow's game. All right, Sarsfield senior hurling manager, Barry Myers, joins me on the line ahead of a, a massive day tomorrow. Barry, thanks for thanks for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. No problem, man. Look, I suppose you know what you have to do tomorrow. It's uh, pretty much a knockout game. Um, in that regard, it's probably easy for, 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 for the players to get into the, the right mindset. Well, I suppose um, having let the game slip against Blackrock in injury time in the first game, we know we had to win against Charleville. We know we have to win tomorrow. So it's, Our mindset is kind of like a tunnel, really. We have to go and get two wins to get through. Um, and uh, it'll be a very tough challenge it's a very tough group um, there's no easy games and um, I think the players are very focused and uh, looking forward to the challenge Yeah the first day out against Black Rock you know 115 to 17 points a one point loss on the first day out um, it must have been I suppose uh, maybe a, a task for you then to go and, and try and lift those that the players out of out of that defeat and get them going again for the for the next week well, we didn't dwell on the result at all, Aidan, because there was a, a seven-day turnaround to Charleville. Um, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, we had 15 points from play out of 17 uh, when the when the hour was up. Blackrock had eight points out of uh, 13 from play. So we'd almost doubled their scores from play in the first hour. Um, definitely had the best from in the second half. We got hit with a soccer point stack and that from time to time. But we we grouped very quickly. Got out of the blocks fast up in Mallow against Chalaville. Fairness to Chalaville, they're, they're stuck at it. But I think we deserved our six-point victory on the day. And we're set up now for a showdown with the Bells. Prime time in Parky Ring tomorrow. I expect a big crowd there. And uh, two big parishes. And, um, you know, two teams going flat out. I think it'll be a cracking match. Squad-wise, have you had any players come back into the fold? Um, I suppose uh, in between the Charleville game and um, tomorrow we play the All-Ireland Club champions Ballygunner in a challenge and we want to use some of our subs that wasn't getting much we'll say time on the field in the first two matches so um, some of those subs performed very well and uh, in a very competitive game against Ballygunner and um, you know the they're certainly ready to be sprung off the bench tomorrow um, I think we have 22 23 players all capable of playing senior and I think the bench will be crucial there tomorrow because coming down the last 10 minutes of this match um, that's when the game is going to be won so I think the bench will be crucial tomorrow in uh, helping us get through to the knockout stages a draw and a win for the Bears so far how have you what have you made of them and their start to the championship well I saw them live against Charleville above they were obviously missing Damien and uh, Conor Cahillan um, I thought the Bears um, probably should have won that game really um, Charleville had a lead on a few occasions but 15 minutes into the second half there the Bears when they took control and it would have been, it would have been uh, unlucky for the Bears not to come out there with some sort of result. Um, you know, they could be through at this stage. You know, um, yeah. if they had held on there, similar to ourselves. You know, we should have beaten Black Rock. We beat Chalice. Um So it just makes this group extremely interesting. I think it's cost everyone's imagination. The other group seems to be uh, fairly predictable even before the ball was thrown in but this group is just four exceptional teams in it and uh, all can still qualify tomorrow so um, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to know I think it's going to be a good day a good venue and a big crowd and I think uh, I think it'll be a cracking match tomorrow even still, I think every every team that plays tomorrow in the championship has something to play for and has, an, has a, a chance to get out of the, the group or maybe a, a couple of teams. It's a kind of testament to this format and that's what the players want, isn't it? It's great to have that competitiveness heading into the, the last round of a group stage, pretty much every game being knockout. Yes, and I suppose everyone's in favour of the format, but uh, I think what makes it most interesting is the number one and two seeds play each other in the first match um, in, in each group. And when that happens, um, you know, if they were if the number one and two seeds were playing in the last game, they may well already be qualified yeah. uh, in certain groups anyway, certainly not all group, but in certain groups. So by playing the top two seeds in the first game, um, it always makes for an exciting finale to the group stage, which 
we'll have tomorrow in. What aspect do you think tomorrow that you're going to have to be on top of? Um, what, what particular side of the game is going to get you over the line? Well, um, the first thing I'll say about the Bells is they showed tremendous resilience the last, I think, over 11 points to two down after 13 or 14 minutes. You know, um, that last 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the first half, Tony go in a point down um, showed tremendous uh, heart and resilience and you know they were the better team in the second half and um, you know their um, conversion rate seemed very high I think BlackRock is a high number wise particularly in the second half but the conversion rate from the Bears was was very high so their accuracy is very good and um, you know we know that they're uh, full of talented players I can see a lot of car players um, in the future coming out of those bad youngsters. But we have equally, if not better, youngsters um, uh, and probably a little bit more mature from the minor teams of uh, 2014 and 15 there. They are all known in their mid-20s and with the experience of uh, the counties, Conor O'Sullivan, Alan Kennedy. Uh, we don't have Craig Lee. He's not available to us. But um, we have a lot of experience and we have a great mix I know. I, I think. Uh, I think we have the the mixture in our style of play um, to come out on top tomorrow. We can play direct. We can go through the lines. We can use our legs, and um, you know, we just have to use all those aspects of our game tomorrow um, to uh, overcome the battle. Absolutely. Well, it's shaping up to be a fantastic game, uh, Barry. The very best of luck, and I'm sure we'll chat to you again. Thank you very much for the call. Yes, our boss Barry Myers there. Coming up after the break, we'll hear reaction f- uh, to Clodova Newcastle in the Carcamogie Championship. Uh, we'll look at today's qualifying at the Belgian Grand Prix. And Colin McCronin talks us through what we can expect for the new NFL season. Don't go away. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Leahy here with you until 7 o'clock. Now uh, let's turn our attention to a bit of Formula 1. Max Verstappen finished fastest in qualifying, but it will be Carlos Sainz who will be on pole for Ferrari in tomorrow's Belgian Grand Prix. Um, Verstappen's Red Bull takes an engine penalty, as does uh, title rival, although the title's kind of gone already. Uh, Charles Leclerc's Ferrari uh, and five other drivers as well. Loads of penalties. Uh, Sergio Perez is P2 and two-time world champion Fernando Alonso P3, which is quite exciting in uh, in the Alpine. Um, also, um, the two uh, Mercedes, Hamilton and Russell, fourth and fifth. Alex Albon is sixth. Um, I think that's his high start in a long, long time. Uh, definitely his high start for Williams. And uh, yeah, looking at the, the, the penalties and the grid penalties, Leclerc goes from 16th, um, which is uh, probably, uh, well, I suppose it was kind of a, ba- <clears throat> a battle really between him and Verstappen to see who was going to start at, at the front of that kind of penalty bunch, let's say. Verstappen's P15, uh, Leclerc's 16th, uh, Lando Norris goes from 18th. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo's P7, of course, we heard during the week uh, that Ricciardo is uh, on his way out from McLaren, which I suppose at this stage probably isn't that much of a surprise. Uh, but yeah, it should be a really good race, uh, especially with those guys trying to make their way uh, up through the grid. Let's see 
if uh, maybe it would be great to see. Imagine the scenes if Alonso pulled off a victory. It would be unbelievable. Anyway, uh, let's uh, move on to a bit of Camogie. Uh, let's get some reaction from Clockdove versus uh, Newcestown. Uh, Clockdove winning 215 to 5 points in the SE Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship. Uh, here's Jeremy McCarthy with Lisa Lynch and Breeze Corkery. I'm here with Clodoves Lisa Lynch and Breach Corkery following their SE Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship victory over Nusasan this afternoon in Coachworth. First of all, congratulations to you both. Lisa, if we could start with you, that goal after two minutes that you managed, that was important because it got you some early momentum and you were able to build on it. Yeah, look, I suppose it was a great ball in from one of the girls and look, we're always being told to be ready in that goal, be on it. Sometimes we're not clued in for that and I was lucky I was in that position, the ball fell nicely and just into the back of the net and look, it settled us for the, for the first 15. Nusasan, I suppose, got on top then for a while but look we came out all guns blazing in the second half we settled we have a good panel this year and I think that's what the match is all about really uh, A tough physical game today rather than a free flowing one I think it's fair to say you're going to meet those kind of challenges as the championship goes on home park is it for the younger players just to be exposed to that and get used to that? Uh, to be fair like we've a, we are a young team we've very like we've minors coming up we've younger girls and John, you know they're the ones driving us on I'll tell you this now we're there we're there to back them up a few of us are more physical we don't let them go down like on their own you know we're in there for each other we battle for one another but look the pace they bring into our team is super and they're teaching us I'd say more than we're teaching them to be honest yeah Speaking of youth and vigour <laughs> two fantastic late points from Breach Corky from yourself um, you love playing Camogie I know how much it means to you how much does it mean to be playing in such a, a really good team this year two wins on the, on the board already it's very important as you'd know to gain that momentum early in the year um, Yeah look I suppose it was great to be back with the girls um, look the points just came you know maybe the t- the, I was only just on and you know girls were getting tired and stuff like that so look they just went over the bar l- look at it with, but um, like that I suppose you know it's great to be back the girls there's a fantastic panel here um, great bunch of girls and the management are training training us well and you know I suppose gelling us together and I think we've, we know ourselves we, we've underachieved a small bit um, with the last couple of years and I think you know we're just training well and enjoying it is probably the most important thing and I think all the girls are doing that and you know um, it was lovely to get a run out today well, I didn't know whether I would or not but it was <laughs> it was nice to, to join the girls because I suppose when you're playing or a, when you get a game you feel more of a part of it as well and um, so yeah it was, it was lovely to be back and just another thing is the numbers that you've got this year you've got a really strong but a very big panel as well it hasn't always been that way with Clodov and it's important because you're going to need every one of them as the year goes on yeah I mean I suppose our juniors are still our juniors are still um, still going I suppose I wasn't regretted this year so that was probably why I got the game And um, so yeah we have a very strong panel and I think the, the, the second team are really pushing us yeah. on as well and it's giving loads of people loads of games as well which is fantastic and it's great to see um, great to see the numbers out and stuff like that and all players have come back to the the junior setup as well which has really brought on everyone to drive on and you know as, as Lisa said we're all learning off each other still and that's the main thing Excellent and Lisa just finally from you two wins on the bones two more games to go this is where you wanted to be at the start no matter how you managed to get there but how important is it for Clidove you know to keep this momentum going now because you just can't take your foot off the pedal because there's so much talent in this year's senior championship it's very hard to call but you're in the mix if you keep going the way you are Look I suppose as Breach said the last few years we've underperformed this is I suppose the year that we're we started well first year in Jesus I'd say 10 years we've yeah. started well now and we just want to keep that momentum going because you start as you mean to go on and we want to drive it on from here the next two matches they're just as important to the, as these if we keep this momentum going we keep the group together we keep that circle tight Josh look might be a different club this year hopefully Excellent Lisa Priest thanks very much Thanks nice sir.
Here's Cloudo's selector Anne-Marie Healy. I'm here with Cloudo's Anne-Marie Healy following their SC Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship victory over Nusselstone today in Coachwood. First of all, Anne-Marie, congratulations. Um, that's a very comprehensive win and two on the bone snow, so must be delighted with the performance today. Yeah, we're delighted with the girls. The girls have worked hard for this. It's not over yet. We've four games in this and the round robin is great. Mm. Two hurdles over. We've another two to go, so hopefully we'll keep going. Yeah, it's all about momentum in these small group games because they're quite important and you've quite a number of young players that came off the bench today and some that played really well for you. Yeah, we've a few girls came up now from under 16 that have played Cork under 16 and others with the under 17 Philippine squad. They really are showing and they're making their presence felt which is great and putting pressure on the older girls as well which we need as well. Always. That early goal from Lisa Lynch inside the second minute that was crucial for you because it got you off to the best possible start. Crucial start, great start and they built on that. Now we missed another few but look, that's the way it goes. Newstown are a tough side. I'm sure they'll do well in their next game but we were lucky today we got a bit of a rub of the green and we'll yeah. keep going on to the next one it was a very stop start second half there was quite a lot of fouls it's just one of those games but she, I think that second goal from Niamh McNabola that really did settle you down Niamh played very well they all played very well look that's the way it goes in games you're going to have scrappy games the heat everything today like it was a factor as well yeah. and look we got over it and that's what we wanted yeah, uh, great stuff there, uh, Jor at um, Cloudove versus Newsestown. Now, um, let's round out the show with uh, some NFL chat. And of course, big weekend of American football. Uh, the College Football Classic has returned to Ireland for the first time in six years. Northwestern Wildcats against Nebraska Cornhuskers at Lansdowne Road are here. The internet has gone down at the Aviva, so the beers are free. And there's a massive queue for the bar at the moment. Uh, and uh, a lot of the Americans are highly amused by all of this. Um, but at, I think Nebraska lead uh, at the moment 1410. Uh, so the new NFL season is uh, also nearly here. I spoke to Irish NFL shows uh, Colm Cronin, of course also a Corkman, to preview the year ahead. This is part one of the chat. Part two will be aired on tomorrow evening's show. Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show as another new NFL season is upon us. Colm, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. I'm always happy to chat to you Aidan as you said we're getting very close now to the start of the season so properly excited about it all getting going again Exactly as uh, I think uh, two or three weeks now until till it all kicks off uh, I suppose before we get into looking at the teams and the contenders um, sometimes we have some rule changes at the start of a season have we anything new to look out for this year? There are some minor tweaks um, that that law was take place, and the owners, uh, as you know, these billionaires, they get to decide as well where the emphasis goes. But the biggest rule change actually won't come in until the postseason, because um, you know, listeners may be familiar, or you yourself might have watched the end of the Kansas City Chiefs against the Bills last year. And the Bills, uh, you know, uh, had, had the opportunity, I suppose, with 13 seconds to go to, to win it. Then it goes into overtime and they never got the opportunity to have the ball. That I, has culminated because there had been calls for this for a long time to a change in the overtime playoff rules. So essentially, both teams will now get the opportunity to have at least one possession unless the, uh, the kicking team ends up getting uh, a defensive safety against their opponent. Otherwise, both teams will get the op- uh, opportunity to at least have their offense on the field. And uh, then I suppose whoever has uh, the 
the most points at that point will will be the winner. Otherwise, um, it continues on. I think that's probably the, the biggest change. And I think people will be pleased about that because especially when you get into the postseason, I don't think people want to see it like maybe, you know, if it was uh, a week 16 or 17 game against two teams who, you know, are maybe mid-table. But uh, in the postseason, you want to see the best teams get the opportunity. So that that is the, the biggest change. Um, as I said, we'll see in terms of taunting, whether that's again a point of emphasis. It was last year and some of the calls were ridiculous. Obviously, roughing the passer in terms of the quarterback is something that has come up over the last few years. We'll see how that is interpreted. It won't be really until we get going into week one, week two, that we'll understand exactly how those will be interpreted this season. All right. Um, I suppose yeah, it eliminates that kind of you know big playoff games being decided by a time toss. Is essentially, what we've had for for so long. So yeah, uh, certainly a positive step. I would imagine most fans would agree. Um, knuckling down into it, then uh, we've ten new head coach appointments, uh, five rookies. Um, who were the most interesting appointments this year? Yeah, a couple of really interesting appointments. To, to me, I suppose there, there are kind of three people. Um, two of them are guys who are going for their, their second time around. So Josh McDaniels had a kind of spectacular failure in Denver about a decade ago. And um, then he left the Colts waiting at the altar famously a few years ago. Now he's at, at the Raiders. They have a fantastic, um, certainly on offense, a fantastic roster. You could certainly argue that Renfro, Waller and Adams are the, the best three in terms of pass catchers in the league but he's kind of in the last chance saloon after what happened obviously look he was a brilliant mind uh, with Tom Brady and the Patriots so I'm really interested to see what he does Dennis Allen with the the Saints is the other the Saints moving on from Sean Payton and Drew Brees so I'm interested to see what Dennis Allen can do in his second go round he um, was with the, the Raiders previously and it really didn't work there but obviously he He's grown. He's learned. The Saints, you have to say questions around the Q, QB, but it's a pretty strong roster outside of that. So those are the two guys who have they learned from the past. Can they get better this time around? The the new guy who stands out to me um, is Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, a guy who was kind of wedded at the hip to Kyle Shanahan for the last decade or so. He f- went with Kyle um, from Washington, uh, the Browns, the Falcons, the 49ers he's a brilliant offensive mind he's very different in terms of um, his coaching style even his personality from most coaches in the league we're seeing a new generation of coaches uh, come through Sean McVay um Brendan Staley at the Chargers. Mike McDaniel is even a little bit different from those. He was talking about the Yeezy launch, uh, how he missed out in, in terms of getting his uh, his sneakers. And he even how he talks in interviews is, is very different from the likes of your Bill Belichick. He is a brilliant offensive mind. He's brought guys in there to the Dolphins. They had a, a pretty solid um, defense over the last couple of years. They've struggled offensively. It's a big season for Tua. I think, it, you know, they've put the pieces in place in terms of that O-line, in terms of the run game. Tua should be, if Tua's ever going to do it, it should be this season. I'm really intrigued to see what Michael McDaniel can do there. Todd Bowles, I suppose as well, um, is a very positive appointment in terms of he's uh, another uh, black coach where where there's so few in in the NFL and in the history of the NFL. And uh, also just interesting from the fact that this could be a great success. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, kudos to to BA Brazarians who did a great job in terms of ensuring diversity on his staff. A guy who always promoted that, a guy who brought in female coaches as well. So um and, and recognized, I suppose, what that would bring to the team in terms of that diversity. Um BA then I suppose wanted to give Todd Bowles the best possible opportunity to succeed. Um I think in, in Todd Bowles and in Byron Left, which you had two coordinators who were calling all their own plays. Uh, I mean, BA talked about that um, constantly. His job was maybe to tell them to be a little bit more aggressive at times. That was just his coaching style. But, um, you know, they had, the Bucks have a fantastic roster. They have Tom Brady, even if he went on holiday there for um, a week, a week and a half, which was an interesting one. I have some injuries on the O-line, but you would expect Todd Bowles, I think, you know, in, in his previous stints, um, he he was mistreated, I, I would say, by the Jets. I thought he did a, a really good job there. I mean, an organization that has struggled over the last few decades. So I, I think he will be a very solid appointment for the Bucks. Uh, looking at the NFC, then we'll take the two divisions uh, separately. Uh, let's talk about who are the biggest challengers this year in the NFC. Oh, we just talked about the Bucks, and look, anytime you have Tom Brady, you're going to be there or thereabouts. The receiving talent they have is, is just ridiculous. When you're bringing in Julio Jones, and he's probably the fourth guy, um, but he's there if somebody goes down, that tells you kind of the depth that they have at receiver, and they have some fantastic um talent in the in on the defensive side of the the ball as well. The Green Bay Packers will be interesting because this should be possibly the best defense that um, Aaron Rodgers has ever had but the wide receivers and um, the tight ends questions they're very young they're very raw can they take the step up now elite QBs make wide receivers and tight ends look better Peyton Manning certainly got a whole host of guys got paid over the year Eric Decker uh, Julius Thomas who looked amazing when they were Peyton Manning went elsewhere suddenly that production um dropped off but for the the Packers it will be interesting to see um, can they gel on offense but certainly they, they'll they be there or thereabouts the issue for the Packers you know the last um, under um, Malafleur they've been 13 and 3 every year they're incredible in the regular season they have struggled um, obviously in the, the championship game um, or or at the, the final hurdle to the, the championship game so that's where they need to improve they feel that defense also their special teams has to be better I mean that was a calamity last year and it ultimately it cost them in that loss to the 49ers so they've made changes there and the Rams um, would be the other who would stand out they bring an awful lot of the guys back they will miss Von Miller I think certainly when it gets to the postseason um, having Von Miller and Aaron Donald was I think key to them winning the, the Super Bowl I really like though what they have done they lost Andrew Whitworth on the line incredible experience there um, They Eric Weddle came off the street last year and he was kind of the the green dot as it's called the guy who was calling the the plays um, on on the field so they brought in Bobby Wagner now Bobby Wagner might be the force that he was when he was one of the absolute elite guys in the league but his leadership is is phenomenal so I really like that move and I think that they will certainly be there or thereabouts those would be the three teams I think right now look there will be a surprise but those are the three as I sit here today in the NFC uh, side of things who are who? Who do you think will provide that surprise then in the NFC this year? 
Uh, for me, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. I really like what the Eagles have done. When you consider that last year, they, and granted, they had an easy schedule, but going in, um, in mid-November to Denver against Vic Fangio and a much vaunted defense, Vic Fangio challenged, um, Jaden Hurts to beat him and, and he did. And that kind of put them on a run and they made it to the playoffs. And under a first year rookie head coach with, um, a quarterback who it was his first season starting in the league. And, um, I think I think that was impressive. Now, yeah, it was. They, you saw what happened in the playoffs, but they have taken steps this season to um, this off season to address that. AJ Brown is a huge signing for them. You would have to to say done a really nice job in the the draft. Um, they had some issues last year uh, around get, the pass rush of getting to opposing QBs. Brought on Hassan Reddick, um, who which should make a difference. So, to me, when you look at teams and the holes that they had going in you know uh, to the off season the eagles have addressed each and every one of those that's not to say they'll you know they will win the super bowl it will come down to can jalen hurts take that next step but i think if you were looking for a team that put a uh, qb in the best possible position to succeed the eagles are it howie's done a fantastic howie roseman the general manager has done a fantastic job and aj brown Devontae smith as your one two um i think the eagles will be serious business they're good in the trenches both on the O-line and the, the D-line so I would expect the Eagles to be very good and never rule out the San Francisco 49ers when Kyle Shanahan is involved um, a, he, he can make magic happen a lot will depend for them on Trey Lance gave up the farm in order to, to get him to bring him in if he can show you know um, what a, a star they think he is in a Kyle Shanahan system they will always be be there or thereabouts so those would be my my two surprises maybe on the, the NFC side You haven't mentioned a certain team and I really hope you're not going to mention it the next question who do you think is going to struggle in the NFC this year? Uh, for me, there's probably the the two guys, two teams who who I think will struggle are the the Bears. Um, I think they for they had to change everything um, this this off season, but they didn't have a, a whole lot to to work with. Um, their O line was awful last year, and I I just talked about the Eagles, and they put Jalen Hurts in the best possible position to succeed. The Bears are the antithesis of that. They have really hung Justin Fields out to to dry. They lost Allen Robinson, um, who has gone to the Rams. They have issues on the O line. Um, it's it's very difficult. It, it it seems unfair on on Justin Fields. I think he's going to be running for his life for for most of the season. Um, he's a very talented young guy, but you really want to put young guys in uh, a position to succeed at the quarterback position so I, I think the Bears will struggle they didn't have cap flexibility um, it, it will be next year I think before they can do they're also talking about potentially um, looking to trade um, the the O-line guy um, they brought in last year that's never a good sign so they would be a team I, I do think will struggle I expect as well you know I mean the, the Vikings I think will be better than they were last year which will make things tougher in the the division for the Bears and also the Lions so they're definitely one the other is the the Seattle Seahawks um, they just they, I mean uh, um, a, a local uh, reporter there uh, was saying that Geno Smith versus Drew Locke is the worst quarterback battle um, that there has ever been as a Denver Broncos fan I might say Trevor Simeon ver- uh, versus Paxton Lynch was worse but yeah certainly um, 
the, the Seahawks, it, you know, it, it's kind of a strange one to me that they haven't brought somebody in. Now we're recording this, Jimmy Garoppolo could come in, which would make a lot more sense because they actually spent draft capital finally on O-line guys, um, but they don't have a QB. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. I do think that could be a real issue for for the, the Seahawks in terms of, their, I don't think they're fantastic on the, the defensive side, but it's really difficult to understand why Pete Carroll at 70 years of age is going with um, Gino Locke or uh, Gino Locke. Yeah, they're a combination. They're, they're, they're so similar. Gino Smith or Drew Locke uh, as his QB. Well, I'm just happy you didn't mention the New York Giants there in the, in the third part. But of course, with a, a new head coach as well, a rookie head coach, how do you think the Giants will get on this year? Selfishly, I'm going to throw them in there and get your, get your um, thoughts on them. We were very fortunate to get to, to speak to Joe Shane and interview him. He's very, very smart. And um, him him and Dable, I think, will work to, well together. I, I think the unfortunate thing is Thibodeau, I, from what I understand, is likely to miss the first month now, which is really unfortunate um, because he would have been huge for them. I like what they've done in terms of um, kind of trying to shore up the O-line. I think it's probably come too late for Daniel Jones, right? And Mara said rightly that we've done everything over the past three years to mess this kid up and I think yeah that that certainly is the case I think they have looked to address it um, Dave Gettleman was an awful GM there, there's no two ways around that and Joe Shane's hands was, were tied a little bit when he came in so to me I suppose this is a rebuilding year for, for the Giants um, I, I don't they, they're in a, a division which I don't think will be very strong so I think that helps them a little bit which probably puts them in a tier above the Bears and the Seahawks for me I'm not expecting big things but I think they'll be a lot more solid than they were under Joe Judge Moving on to the FC then um, like we like we did with the NFC let's go through first of all who the the, the best teams are the best place teams I suppose to go and challenge this year yeah, well, as we sit here today, the best team uh, should be the Buffalo Bills. They uh, came so close last year, 13 seconds. As we said, it could have all been so different. And they looked like the Eagles. They looked to address a lot of the issues that they had over the course of the off season. So they have brought in help at running back. They've brought in Von Miller as a huge signing and which will pay dividends in the, the postseason, certainly, because that's where sacks are pivotal. Um Josh Allen is just phenomenal. He's just a brilliant, brilliant quarterback. Um, their secondary is, is strong. Um, I, I think the the only issue, obviously, I think with the the Bills is probably it just you want to see more from the running game. But as I said, they have brought people in, and you want to see them get a bit stronger against the run. They kind of invite teams to run at them a little bit and that's their, their way of going about it. But they need to ensure that they, they don't give up too much against the run. But the Bills will definitely be there or thereabouts. And for me, then it's two AFC West teams after the Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. As long as Andy Reid is around, uh, the Chiefs will be there or thereabouts. We obviously talk about Kyle Shannon and his scheme, but Andy Reid, Big Red, is up there with everybody. Absolute nailed on Hall of Famer in the future never had a losing season doesn't seem to matter who is the the QB but it helps when they have one of the best in the business in Patrick Mahomes I think it'll be different this year it'll it'll look different because Tyreek Hill has moved on but I think what you were seeing last year was teams were adjusting and and forcing the um, Chiefs to, to play in a way that they really didn't 
they didn't want to um, and probably weren't set up personnel wise to do so I think they deliberately made a decision to move on from Tyreek and I think you will see the Chiefs look to dictate the game plan to the opposition this is a league the NFL is a league where it's like a chess you know when uh, a team makes a move another team responds um, I think that the Chiefs will react to the way in which defense is set up against them last year and I would be confident Andy Reid can scheme um, with yeah, with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think they will be there or thereabouts. And the other is the LA Chargers. The the Chargers made some really nice moves in the, the offseason. They already had Herbert. Um, I think they put really nice pieces uh, around him. Um, on defense, they should be really strong. The concern around the Chargers is um, it's a bit almost like Mayo. They're, they're a little bit cursed, you know. I mean, you go back to 20 10 and famously number one on offense number one on defense last in terms of special teams and that's ultimately what cost them um, they have to show that they're better against the run this year that was their big issue last year teams were able to just run all over them but I do really like what they have done and I, I think it's a little bit of, of now or never um, I'm not absolutely sold on Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen um, but I, I think there's enough talent am, amongst the rest of the roster for the Chargers to be right there in the AFC We're going to have to leave it there Tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of that preview We're almost out of time Uh, Just a quick update to bring you It's Arsenal 1, Fulham 1 at the Emirates Stadium With 70 minutes gone Alexander Mitrovic, who's on fire uh, Opened the scoring for Fulham Arsenal equalised through uh, Martin Odegaard Um, Tomorrow on the big red bench I'm back and we hear from Maeve Ogoliri Who was speaking to Jeremy McCarthy Uh, I spoke to Dara McElhenney of course One of Ireland's rising stars in athletics and as I said we'll have part two of our NFL preview. Until then Stevie G is on the on the way next. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM